Welcome to Bounce Back Stronger, the podcast that explores ways to find peace and purpose no matter what happens. I'm delighted to introduce our guest today, Misha Archer, a gifted children's book author and illustrator who weaves magic into the hearts of young readers. A little bit about Misha. Misha comes from a rich lineage of artists and educators and spent many years teaching in a kindergarten. Through the joys of raising her children and teaching, she discovered a profound love for picture books, recognizing their incredible significance as teaching tools. Hailing from the picturesque landscapes of Western Massachusetts, Misha resides in a home she and her husband built, surrounded by enchanting gardens and forests. Her book, Wonder Walkers, which describes an awe-inspiring nature walk, is showcased in the Brandywine River Museum exhibition, Rooted, Family and Nature in Contemporary Children's Book Illustration, which is running until February 28, 2024. Misha, thank you for joining us on Bounce Back Stronger. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. So happy to be here. Thank you. I saw your work at Brandywine River Museum probably a month or so ago, and your work really stood out to me. I saw the pictures as being great captures of a moment in someone's life. And then the whimsy of the pictures and the joy in the words, I just found them so comforting to me. And I guess maybe you could share a little bit about your personal experiences in walking and what brought you to the concept of Wonder Walkers for this book. I love walking. I probably walk walk every day, uh, probably, or I went skiing today in the fields. It's my way of sort of resetting my brain because I do a lot of close-up work and concentrating. And I think it's a way for me to just like (sighs) take a breath and reset my brain. I also live at the base of a mountain that I've been climbing since I was seven years old because there was a summer camp right around this property. So I know this property really well. I think it, it's funny because the word, the title of the book to me felt like it just came to me and it felt a little bit like a superheroes, you know, like the Wonder Walkers. <laughs> but I kind of feel like it, it's sort of the name of a game. And that's kind of like what the book is like. It's two kids who are kind of playing a game, a game of similes. It's a book of questions and it's very playful. So I think whatever gets kids to get outside and look closely at nature. That's how the walking came in. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think drew you to the theme of wonder itself? Was it the game orientation or the the superhero? The pictures are so beautiful. They are all inspiring. They're just (laughs) so layered and beautiful. Well, you know what? I feel like kids already know this. (laughs) They know how to wonder because everything's Mm. so important to them, especially kindergartners, because I kind of feel like they're on the edge of still believing in magic. So they still believe anything can happen. And Mm. um, so I think I'm just capturing what kids already have. And hopefully they're pass it on to their parents to remember how, how it is to wonder and look closely at things. I remember my daughter when she was probably three, bringing me a beetle in her hand and having me listen to it and it was making a little noise. And she's like, I never knew that you could hear a beetle. And what it took for her to find that out was just so lovely. She would spend hours just looking in the stone wall, just lying next to the stone wall, watching things. So they've got it already. This was just a way to sort of capture it. 
Yeah, the key is not to lose it, I guess, right? So much. There's so much in childhood that especially young kids are still so free. Like when they draw, it's just free. They paint freely. They play wildly. They dance wildly. And then suddenly we all think we have to put it in a box and put it away or something. Yeah. A lot of the work that I do with people that are going through difficulty is asking them to find those things that make them forget about time and bring them joy. And I ask them to go back to what they did as kids because we have turned that off. Um, And a lot of women in particular, until their kids are grown, they don't have time for themselves and they'll be looking for that thing. And I keep going, look look back at what you enjoyed as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often have art nights where I just put my materials out and have friends come over and they're so happy. It's not like a dinner party or something where you sort of feel like you have to say that <laughs> or something. It's more like you can be quietly working. Someone could be like barely say one word the whole time, but they're just so happy mm-hmm. doing something that's completely using a different part of their brain. I had a retreat in October and I, at a LARC, I went to the craft store and picked up a Thanksgiving coloring tablecloth. And I thought, this is kind of silly, but I'll just put it out. It was such a hit. <laughs> They all loved it. What a great idea. That is such a great idea. Yeah, I'm never going to stop doing it, Mm -hmm. I think. And actually what it did is I'm putting out a book called Bounce Back Stronger Around Resilience. What I did is I took affirmations from the book and I made coloring pages for each one of the chapters after that because I was like, yeah, because, you know, sometimes people, the blank page is scary, but like if you put a coloring page, then it gets them started and Mm -hmm. then they can draw their own things too. But I think yeah. The same thing. Ooh, mm-hmm. Puzzles are a great way for someone who doesn't know how to draw or something, but wants to use that part of their brain where they have to connect the colors and, and just be quiet, but be with people and quiet. <laughs> and people did it in the pandemic, even. They just kept doing puzzles because it was something to keep you active, but you didn't have to think a lot. It was just kind of really focused, mindful behavior. It was pretty cool. Relaxing, yeah. Is there any moment or scene within the book, The Wonder Walkers, that holds a particular significance to you? Yeah, I think the beginning, the spark for this book was a question my daughter asked me. I had it in her baby book, where she said to me, we were out looking at the mountains. We started talking about how they look like bears sleeping. And then she said, do mountains have bones? Mm. And I just love that because that's what she knew. She knows her own body and that there's bones and that's what makes it hard. And so she was just deciding that that could be possible in a mountain. (laughs) So I think that's what got the spark that's got this book started. And there was another question that my niece asked me. She was two and we were walking in the woods and I said, oh, we should have lunch in the mouth of the cave. And she looked at me with this big eyes and said, do caves have mouths? (laughs) So just that we're part of nature. And this is the language kids can use to ask these questions about themselves. And that was one. And there was one third one that I wanted to say, oh, the trees. Trees were a big part of my childhood. We had a huge maple tree in the backyard. So the picture when the kids are in the tree, sitting on the branches, 
when I do these books, I feel so lucky that I can sort of freeze a moment in time in my life and things that are important to me. So definitely have a warm feeling about that spread, the trees. Oh, they're so beautiful. What kind of feedback have you received on the book now that it's in the exhibit too at Brandywine River Museum? Well, the best feedback was winning the Caldecott honor. <laughs> because when you're in your studio, I, I'm, I'm just by myself a lot and I, I have no idea. I'm just like like doing my work. And to have librarians, they're saints. They're just wonderful people who decided on my book out of so many beautiful books out there. It gave me a confidence I needed for sure, because I'm never sure really if it's working. And and then I also get a lot of feedback from teachers who send me their classroom's version of a book like this with their own similes and their own questions. It's really fun. I mean, oh, I, that's awesome. I'm getting ideas for another another <laughs> book from them. It's just so wonderful because it shows that they really understood the concept. So it's cool. That would be a great workshop, actually, with adults. Yes, you think yeah. about that. That would be so wonderful for people to have that same experience of looking at things that are awe-inspiring. And there's this whole new field of neuroaesthetic where mm. looking at things of wonder and awe actually creates new pathways in your brain. There's a, there's some books that are going to come out about this soon. But feeds off this neuroplasticity idea, which is the, the neural pathways that get built, but that art and wonder and beauty creates these pathways too, which is very healing for people. That's great. Being able to click into that, I think, for people would be really helpful. And again, like you said, with your friends, like, you know, people love to do art. They just don't give themselves necessarily the, the grace and time to do it. Yeah, I spent a lot of late nights after everyone was asleep during my art, just keeping it going. I used to call my art my third child, and that if I didn't feed it, it was going to die. So I would just spend nights by myself at my desk, just creating, creating, creating. And I knew something was out there that was going to happen, but I, I didn't know what. A lot of people need to hear that that's possible, because I think a lot of us work on these things, and you hope that something's going to come out of it. And so you're an inspiration. Yeah, but it doesn't have to have something come out of it. It's just making you feel better, too. Yeah, that's the other big part. Not everybody wants to share their art, but doing it is enough is a good way of thinking, too. Yeah. And what other books do you have? Yes, I have three Daniel books. The third one's coming out in mid-February. Um, okay. The little guy who is very curious. And the first book is called Daniel Finds a Poem. So he's trying to find what poetry is because he sees a sign on the gate that says poetry reading Sunday at six. So each day of the week, he talks to an animal in the park and asks them what poetry is, and they give him an answer. And then he makes it all into a poem at the end for the poetry reading. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So there's that one. And each book has sort of the same format where there it ends with kind of a poem of what he collects. So the second one is Daniel's Good Day and He's asking people what makes a good day for them because he keeps hearing people say, have a good day. And he's like, well, what is it? <laughs> the third one is he runs to the park and meets his grandpa and his grandpa says, what's new, Daniel? And he goes, I don't know. I'll go find out. And he just runs <laughs> down the park finding it and it's spring. So everything's new. So and then he comes back to grandpa and tells him all that he learned. Oh, so. that's exciting. And I've done two books with Patricia McLaughlin, 
She was a Newbery Award winner. She wrote Sarah Plain and Tall. She's amazing to work with. She's since died. Oh my God, she was so fun to work with. She lived nearby, so I could go and hang out a little bit and get a real sense of what she wanted, which is not normal. Don't meet up with the the authors. You're not really supposed to, but my agent was like, no, you got to meet her. <laughs> so <laughs> That's amazing. What a great joy it must be to be able to work in this field and have your art be with the children that you so care about and so invest in in your life. So it must be wonderful. Oh, it is. I'm, I feel lucky every day. I can't believe that it's happening. I feel really lucky, but I, I work with such great people. Like I work with these editors or they're like these great women, you know, mostly women. And learning to edit something with an editor is pretty amazing. Like this, Mm -hmm. the back and forth and the ideas she has. And it's not just my book, it's our book. And the art director, wow, you know, I have to take a lot of criticism and redo things, but it's okay. I mean, they know what they're talking about. And that's part of the job. Yeah. In your journey as an author and an artist, have you encountered challenges or things that you have overcome? And maybe if you have any lessons to share, that might be helpful. Yes, so many challenges like this, doing interviews, it's really... (laughs) I hope it's not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm getting better, I think. And that's the thing, there's almost every day there's something I need to sort of deal with, which is, it's okay. I I like having a schedule (laughs) better, and I'm really better with deadlines. If I had a wide open, if I was a wide open painter with no focus, like I I have deadlines, which is really good. So I'm working it on 16 pieces at once. So it's kind of like putting a show together for a gallery or something, because they all have to relate to each other and talk to each other. That's a great challenge. Oh, I had to learn how to use a computer, you know, like, well, and it's not Mm. that I work on the computer, but I have to do a lot of back and forth with sketches and stuff. So super important to learn the stuff if you're going to get into writing or illustrating. You got to make it so easy for these people because they're so busy. So that was a lot to learn. And then I have to do like school visits and be on panels and stuff, which is challenging for me, but I can do it. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure you can. What was the process to be selected for the Brandywine River Museum exhibit? Was there a process that you submitted or did they do the work on their own? I had met one of the curators at a book conference and we sat together signing books and she's an illustrator. So she must have just had her eye out because they knew they were going to do this show with nature and families. And so she contacted me and then I have my work in a gallery here in Northampton and so wow. they they just sent it all. I was like, yay, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> That's amazing. That's wonderful. Did you go? Have you seen it or no? I'm going on a trip for all of February. It would have been then that I would have been able to go. I got this opportunity to go to India for a, a month-long artist residency that wow. my son, who is also a collage artist, has done before. And so he is living in India, so he's going to meet me and take me to the place. And my best friend from high school is going too. So Have you been before? Yeah, I actually lived in India as a little girl when I was five, and then again when I was 15. So I have very, very strong, deep memories of India. So I'm really happy to go back. I, my parents 
just loved it. My father especially just loved India. So I just feel like it's a way of sort of visiting my parents. <laughs> it's funny we have that connection because my dad did missionary work in India. Oh, really? Um yeah, so he did, it was a volunteers in mission. So he did it in the summers. He was a minister in Pennsylvania, but like in the summers. So he went, I think, three summers. I went with him once. So yeah, I would love to go back. It's a, an amazing place. Just so rich and beautiful. I mean, I think color, mm-hmm. never lose that in my mind, the colors. Just like being a five-year-old in a marketplace there. Just imagine all those saris like going by my face as a little girl. I remember a bangle salesman grabbed my hand and put on all these bangles before my mother knew what was happening. And I mean, it hurt so badly. I can still feel that hurt of like squeezing these bangles onto my hand. Very fulfilling time for me. It spoke Hindi, I guess. I don't remember it now, but now I'm doing Duolingo and it's coming back. I can That's write. Awesome. Well, the, and the stories, because I spent most of my time, because there was no TV or anything like that when I went at all. So I spent most of my time reading and I read so many books of fables and stories and they're so rich and they're wise. And I know that that had some sort of thing with me over time, just kind of like gravitation towards some of these stories. Realism, it's like incredible stories. Yeah. And they're just so wise. It's different than what we get here in some ways. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects your art, what you might decide to do next. It'd be interesting to Mm -hmm. to see. Yeah. You mean this visit? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm taking the book I'm working on now with me, but I'm hoping to work half the time on my own stuff. The area has a lot of artisans because it's Rajasthan where they make beautiful fabrics and Mm. pottery and stuff. So I'll be surrounded by that too. That's exciting. If we have an aspiring writer, artist among our listeners, how might they start their own children's book? Well, I have a great quote by Kurt Vonnegut that keeps coming up when I'm thinking of ideas. And his quote is, make your readers want something right away, even if it's just a drink of water. So Mm. like, for example, in Wonder Walkers, it's starts with Wonder Walk and then sure, there's already sort of a feeling like, okay, what is this? What is Wonder Walk? And it's obvious that these kids already know about it. And so you want to start something almost like you're starting in the middle of the book in a way, because you're you're expecting the, the reader to be smart enough to go, oh, they're talking about something they already know. I wonder what it is. Let's go see together. So whatever gets you to turn the page. So that's one thought. And then keep it simple. I think you want a a book that someone can pick up and flip through and go, oh, wow. Oh, I, I, I know what this is about just by just flipping through it, especially picture book. So this book only has like 85 words or something, which is an incredible challenge to get a book down to that few words. So that's a great challenge. If you're doing picture books, try to have it as simple as possible. And then think of an ending before you get too far into it, because I think an an ending has to make you go, ah, something that makes you close the book and or make you want to go right back and look at the beginning. So the ending is very important. And then for illustrating, I would say, be brave, you know, just 
do a style that you feel comfortable and really want to do, just you want to have fun with. And then, and my agent, I remember him saying, I was saying, I don't really know if I have a style. And he goes, doesn't matter. You can have lots of styles and then make places that you want to be. So make the book places that you want to hang out. Because if you like it, probably somebody else will. I think it's funny that I'm expected to perform because Mm. I just want to be quietly in my studio working. So suddenly I'm having to do something that's really hard because I'm kind of an introvert. So my thought is to just get over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You have a gift to give. So think about what you're doing is like you're helping other people. You're, You're making it so they might want to be an artist or a writer too. And it's not all about you. And um, it's hard, but hard means each time you do it, you're, you're learning something by yourself. That was amazing. Misha, can you tell me a little bit about your creative process in creating a book and how long that takes? My creative process for writing starts with just like seeds of an idea. And so I keep these little notebooks in my pocket. If I think of something, I have to write it down or otherwise I'll forget. These are really fun to go back on because you'd forget otherwise, but they're just inspirations from while you're walking or something that someone says. And what's cool is that as soon as you start writing stuff down, it's like your brain goes, okay, you want more? Okay. And it'll start giving you more. So, And that's where I wrote down the questions that kids asked and suddenly they all came together. And then for the creative process in my art, I usually start with the words first. So I get all the words as a story, and then I start working on sketches and just spread out all my children's books and my photo books on the floor. And because I have the story structure in my head, it feels like it's just flooding. I'm just flooding the area with new ideas of different perspectives I could take, different angles. And so... Mm. It's just a, a cool time where you're just, your brain's wide open to new ideas. Then I make the dummy, which is pretty tight. You know, I have to get it pretty much how I'm hoping. The, and that's that's a hard part because you, you're really thinking about the flow of the story and, and where the words are going to go. And so it's important to get right. And basically it's your pitch. If you're a business person, this is your pitch to the to the editor. Then I get to make paper, which is the best, because that's when I get to tap into my kindergarten self and, and <laughs> all kinds of paper. With I make my own stamps and I do layered tissue papers. And I do something where I take a little bit of paint and with a credit card, just smooth it over the paper. So it gives me this cool texture. So if you look closely at my books, you see mm-hmm. that I try to have every piece of paper I put down be a little different than the one next to it. So, And then I start in on the collage and that I do the faces in paints and then I work in collage. And that's a lot like doing sculpture because there's a lot of adding and then taking away and a lot of trial and error. But yeah. How long does it take to put together a book like Wonder Walkers? With writing and illustrating, it's about a year. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a lot of downtime in there too. My walking time. It's very important. <laughs> and we do a lot of traveling. Uh, we go down to Costa Rica every year and I work down there. Oh, that's great. We were in Spain just last year and then about three years before that. So it's fun to be in a new place because it just jogs you into a new way of looking at things. That's beautiful. 
I just want to thank you so much for being with me. I know it's not always easy to talk, but you shared so much that was so helpful and interesting and just beautiful. So thank you. Thank you, Donna. That's all for today. If you want to learn more about Misha's work and the Brandywine River Museum Rooted exhibit that features it, the links will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. And if it was, please subscribe, drop a review, or share it with your friends and family. That's the best way to get it in the hands of those who may benefit. And if my daughters, Sienna and Sylvia, are listening, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. And I love you so much. Bye now.